Southwest Express heads towards Los Angeles, loaded with 100 passengers and 1,000. theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Well, yeah, that, that's a whole other conversation. I think, I think Captain, I think Civil War was honestly the last great Marvel film. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a topic for another day. That's a topic for another day. We're what we're trying to do, folks, is. We're, we're, yeah, hello, everyone. Welcome to the final cut. <laughs> this isn't the final cut. It's a spoiler room. I'm thinking final cut. Why? Because I reviewed Snakes on a Train on the final cut. It's a spoiler room. We're down the stairs. We grabbed a drink, and it's not uh, hard enough liquor for me. And <laughs> pull it up a chair because we're talking not superheroes tonight, not DC. You want to hear DC? Check out the pre show on the Patreon. But no. We're talking about 2006 Snakes on a Train. <laughs> and he's back with us. The man who keeps coming back for more. And I thought he would go running screaming after watching this. But he hasn't. <laughs> he's here with us today. Those dulcet tones, none other than Mr. Ian Simmons. Hello, Ian. Thank you for not running away or throwing disparaging remarks at me online <laughs> for uh, Snakes on a Train. Oh, I saved those disparaging remarks for your uh, for your love of DC with the announcement. Oh, so well, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> you did. You did. You, that's a good no. back and forth. But no, hello. It was all, it was all, it's all about love, Mark. Um, no, the thing is, I didn't run screaming because you have to be awake in order to run away <laughs> screaming. And uh, wow. <laughs> well, I hope train, you're huh? awake. I hope you're <laughs> awake because, yes, you're doing the synopsis of Stakes on a Train. <laughs> You could swear on this show, but <laughs> Mark, somehow this month we've gone from Murder on the Orient Express to The Lady Vanishes to Snowpiercer to Snakes on a 
train. Well, the train's slowing down. That's why this is our last e-ticket episode for the month. So, you know, we're coming to the end of the journey. It slows down after a while, you know. I, I needed some E to get through this movie. Um, <laughs> damn. But, okay, so first of all, I will say, I thought about this in the middle of the movie. This is actually a better starting point for what Snowpiercer was trying to say than the movie Snowpiercer. <laughs> um, yes, yes, it is, yes. Because it's about, you know, class and yep. race uh, kind of coming together on this train, except for instead of an allegory, it's a quite literal story of uh, brother and sister uh, who are escaping, you know, over the border of Mexico. They get into the States and they need to get to Los Angeles because their uncle, I can't believe I'm about to describe this. Their uncle knows the <laughs> magic spell to help his niece get rid of the curse that causes snake. I don't know if I'm even getting this right. Yeah, it's so complicated. No, no, you're, you're causes, right. yeah. causes snakes to emerge from her body. She like spits them out mm -hmm. and they come up in this like giant, uh, you know, ecto cooler green slime kind of vomit. Uh, and then they grow and they attack people. But she has to, and her brother helps her collect them because she has to hold on to these snakes because they're kind of at least spiritually a part of her. And the brother does this ritual where he like blows this <laughs> mystical dust smoke in people's face to control the snakes coming out of his sister and also immobilize other people when threatened. I don't know. But anyway, they get on board this train with some other, uh, shall we say, non-citizens uh, who are kind of stowaways, but the, the snakes kind of get out of control and there's mayhem involving the regular citizens who are making their way to Los Angeles. The, the fast, I love the production design on this because it really seemed like since it's the asylum, they're doing it on the cheap. But I'm like, no, this train has not actually run in decades. <laughs> but... I mean, cause it's the most rundown, nastiest train. Like you've seen, like the, the, the seats are ripped up. Like I swear there's light fixtures falling off the ceiling. Like it's just, it's so bad. Oh, this but, set, you know, this set is janky. It's, this set is so janky. I feel like I got tetanus just renting this thing or, or, or loading it up on wherever the hell I watch it. YouTube, I think. Yeah. Tubi, uh, Pluto has it, but they have it. Uh, well, the only Spanish dubbed version. For some reason, Tubi has the complete Spanish dub version. Uh, and now Tubi Pluto has a, a, a Spanish dub. And it's available on YouTube in two different places. Um, you know. <laughs> the one that I watched had no English subtitles. So for the first 20 minutes or 10 minutes or six hours, however long they were talking to each oh. other, the, the the brother and sister were talking in Spanish. And I was like, what the hell no. are they saying? I, I picked up bits, but I couldn't figure it out. No, no, the Spanish parts don't have English subtitles. At all. At all. I mean, I, I guess I, that's kind of gutsy, but I'm like, <laughs> I don't okay, think they uh, did on the DVD when I rented it from Family Video, and I'm kicking myself for not buying it. Ah, damn it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> place that you know, have it in bronze and put on that shelf back there <laughs> i do yeah yeah no. <laughs> that checks out though i can imagine the asylum not being so cheap that they didn't want to spring to have someone do subtitles on their movie no no they're being <laughs> they're being original so you could you could figure it out from some of the words that you can understand and their actions and their 
they're they're uh, pantomiming and such. You could figure that out. You don't need subtitles for that. I didn't. I knew what they were talking about. They had to go to Los Angeles, and he had to take care of her because she was sick. And you know, and then Cowboy shows up, and one of her snakes gets loose and bites Cowboy, and and kills him, um, which is fine because he was being an a hole anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, here here's when I first saw this. Yeah, this film. I, I will fully acknowledge this film's not good. <laughs> this is this is this is not a this is not a a a, a good good film uh on on many levels. <laughs> but I give mad props because uh especially for the asylum the early not not too earlier of the years. Well I guess it's kind of early years, but when they started these mockbusters um just as i mean the internet was just ramping up but there was still physical media was was king yet they would the minute they heard of a concept of a movie they jumped on it quick and actually get it out at the same time if not before their mockbuster come out before the actual film comes out uh which of course means they got to make these on the cheap now they managed to make money either through physical media or through their contract with sci-fi, which is, this is sci-fi presents, um, yeah, <laughs> of sort, you know, through those contracts, they managed to get more money. They used to, they, they got some star power taking the indie route of a recognizable name in the film. Uh, but this is a little bit earlier asylum and I give them props for, for doing it early and actually coming up with a plot that is, is, is not as uh as as direct as snakes on a plane which is what it's it's being a mockbuster of snakes on a plane were literally guy plane snakes kill guy there you go here we've got mysticism we've got curses we've got snakes coming out of her we've got you know class warfare we've got uh, according to the trailer ian according to the trailer a hundred pass <laughs> A thousand. That's on the poster. I'm like, where where was this? Where is this hundred passengers? I counted like fifteen, including the people who won't weren't supposed to be passengers. <laughs> fifteen people, and oh, don't forget the three thousand venomous snakes that are, <laughs> according to the poster. Well, maybe they were off in the they were off in the compartments with the other seventy or eighty five people that we yeah. didn't get to see. That was where the other uh what was it uh two thousand eight hundred and eighty two snakes <laughs> were I mean, you know, I don't understand this, you know what you were saying though. I mean we we murder on the Orient Express and the lady vanishes. This this could go right up there. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, you've got a couple on here who you know, uh, a guy and a girl meet, you know, and they, they get along um, w when he has the worst opening line ever. We've got, you know, the other girl, the, the two ladies on here who end up, we find out, are actually uh, carrying drugs for <laughs> one of their ex-boyfriends in order to get money to live in L.A. Uh, there's an ex-cop on here who's a perv. Uh, there is, you know, this sounds almost like exactly like... <laughs> The lady vanishes. I don't know where, where you're coming. From. Yeah, that 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 the guy Hoover, the 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 non Texas Ranger, um, non Texas Ranger. Uh, I I call them 
um, stalker Texas Ranger. Stalker Texas Ranger. He was stalker um, Texas Ranger. Yes. He he's a modern day Poirot. You know. The, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's getting to the bottom of things, or at least the toplessness the, the, of things. The toplessness of things. Yes. One of one of the two actresses. Who are well? They're people. That's being that, very generous. They're going to. This was now. Come on. This was their first film. Amelia Jackson Gray, who plays Crystal, and Shannon Gale Hurd, who plays Summer. This was their first <laughs> film. So their very first film. So you know. That I, implies I, that they've been in other things. Where would I have they, seen them? They have. Uh, well, Amelia uh, Jackson Gray, uh, with her uh, film career since then, she's actually gone on to do uh, films. Like uh, she did voice acting in uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic. She was on iCarly for an episode. Um, That's where I recognized her yeah, from. There you go. See, see, you, you saw that episode of iCarly. She's oh. in a film called Adulthood, and you, I mean, she's she's done the indie scene uh, of sorts, but she's been in thirty some projects since uh, since that film. Actually, yeah, thirty some. Uh, before that, uh, she was on some TV shows as well. Uh, she oh she was in Journey to the Center of the Earth by Asylum, and uh, Asylum's Dragon, uh, uh, and and other. So she's uh, the Robin Sydney of the Asylum, <laughs> is what you're saying. Uh, if 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 Asylum had such a smaller cast uh, group that they pulled from, you could say that. But they pull from so much. They have so many actors in their films that it's hard to say that. Um, no, the acting. You know, I, I like the thing is, I like the story with the brother and sister. And I like the idea that she was cursed and he, the, the horror, actual horror element of these snakes coming out of her. And even even that whole mythos and everything uh, that that I I like that because it at least they put some thought into it other than just trying to replicate like snakes on a plane. And it may also be the fact that they didn't have the full synopsis yet of snakes on a plane. They knew the title and they said, we got to do train. And <laughs> this movie came out. I just checked it. This movie came out three days before Snakes on a Plane. Well, see, there you go. And I guarantee you, it was produced quicker than Snakes. Remember, Snakes on a Plane had reshoots, so they could make it rated R. This one, they didn't have to reshoot to make it rated R too. So it was ahead of the game. Um. Yeah, I mean, I was sorry. I just let, starting to think about the movie, movie earlier. Yeah. Um, no, I, I've seen a bunch of Asylum films. I, I love the Asylum, um, unironically. Uh, they, yes, they're all knockoffs, but some of the knockoffs, and this is where it gets to be kind of a shame, some of them are actually pretty good. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Either unintentionally or in the case of Paranormal Entity, which came out, it was in a Paranormal Activity knockoff, Yeah, I think was, was pretty solid. Mm -hmm. um, but this one, much like... I think it was not it was Alien Origin was the movie that they came out with around the time <laughs> yes. Prometheus came out. Yes. Which was literally just like an hour and a half of people in military fatigues running around the woods like screaming about aliens. Yes. And I think there was some light yeah. in the sky. I, oh yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so bad. And that I was having serious vibes from that because from this movie because up until like I had a jaw-dropping experience during the big final bit where the snake comes out of the woman, bursts out of the train, and son suddenly becomes like 3,000 feet long and begins eating the train. The train, yeah. Why couldn't the rest of this movie have been that bonkers? Like, <laughs> it's truly spectacular. But not to be outdone, 
it's eating the train car by car. It's kind of like the running from the exploding, you know, space yeah. station or whatever phenomenon where the people are trying to get off the train as it's being eaten. And then they come over this uh, ravine and there's like eight of them and none of, nobody wants to jump. They all get out safely. And then the, the snake uh, through, if I understand this correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, through the power of prayer. Yes. A giant nuclear tornado appears in the desert and mm -hmm. swallows up the giant snake. Yes. Into like kind of a sky beam vacuum and then everything's okay. What? Yeah. yeah. Well, because it's the whole spiritual thing. She was cursed. Her brother was a shaman. There was a medicine man in their uh, village because they just happened across her old childhood friend who happened to be on the same bus that they randomly picked to try to take to LA. I mean, right. you know, it's that Hollywood coincidence that I could get around. Um, again, I actually, I, you know, it's funny. I actually enjoy the, 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 yeah, I guess you could say the first act of this film. I, I, I actually enjoy where they take things going until we start getting into the other passengers on the train, uh, because it at least it's it's interesting it, it's got something happening there's some really cool gore effects going on and goo effects and, and you know special effects she's got snakes coming out of her mouth in that and so the actress bad props to her for what she goes through in this film um, yeah and her skin turns black towards the end and yeah. she's got these giant fangs and and there's some really uh i mean it's it's kind of dodgy in some parts when the snakes come out of her and out of other people because sometimes it looks like runny green slime and sometimes yeah. it looks like jello um but it is rather disturbing especially the the bits where the snakes go into people's arms oh yeah there there's there are some good i will give the movie this there is some good practical gore effects and and they had the balls to kill a little an innocent little girl <laughs> yes Yes, I forgot. I could not believe it. <laughs> I forgot that part until I'm watching it, and all of a sudden I'm like, "Oh, they, oh, they've got a little girl in the plane, uh, in the train." Okay, you know, uh, and then all of a sudden the the bigger snake starts devouring her, and I'm like, "Wait, are we going? Oh, we're going all the way with this. That's right." Because I forgot because it's been so long since I watched this film, um, and I'm like, "Because snakes on a plane," which we talked about last right. year. They've got the scene where there's two kids. I think they're two little brothers right. yep. who get trapped, I think, by mm -hmm. by the cart or something. <clears throat> and the snakes are attacking them, and it bites one kid, and they mm -hmm. eventually get the poison out. But you're like, they're not going to kill these little kids, are they? And, of course, they don't. They get rescued. But this movie, because it's the asylum, and they don't have to care about what mass audiences think. <laughs> That's right. This girl, I kept waiting. I'm like, okay, so she's halfway down the snake's mouth, kind of like uh, – Patricia Arquette in Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Right, right. Someone's going to burst in and like fry the snake's mouth open and drag her out. But no, we see her get like halfway down the mouth and then she's never seen from again. She gets Oof. munched. She gets munched. Yeah. I mean, so there's a lot. There's, I like a lot of the ideas and things that come out of this. It's just, uh, it, it so shows its budget. It so shows that it's the asylum rushing this to get out. They grab whatever performers they can and the majority of these folks had not had a lot of work and i that's not a slam on them it's just a simple fact they did not have a lot of experience in camera uh and you could tell especially by the set they have one train car maybe two to the entire set okay and if the train is shaking it's because they're shaking the camera 
not the tree. <laughs> well, I think there was some like there's this one bit where the guy who initially discovers the the brother and sister, right? Um, he gets he's chasing the brother, uh, and he gets bit or stabbed or something. He gets stabbed. He eventually, okay, he gets stabbed. Right? Um, they're kind of like going in and out of this little like space between the trains, I guess. Uh, that didn't look like camera shaking. It looked like the train wasn't moving, but it looked like they had a couple of crew people like just off the camera, like shaking the set, you know, to make it look like, give it the illusion of movement. It was so charming. And by charming, I mean cheap. Well, it was cheap, but you know, the, the flight sequence is actually, I, I did my, I actually kind of liked that the whole jumping around it. Oh, you think they're going to get, you know, dumped out and then they actually swing around to the other doorway and come through in that. And, yeah, it was a knife though because the uh, the uh, medicine brother, the, the the medicine man brother, he had his dagger that he made from a stone blade because you know they don't have modern knives uh, in Mexico apparently. Even though he is, uh, you know, I, I understand they are going for the whole shaman routine, but I'm like, he could. He's got this you know, handmade blade <laughs> that he stabs the guy with that I'm like, wow, you, you couldn't have gotten a, a pocket knife or something, for, <laughs> you know? Um, and maybe there was intended to be more story <clears throat> there with it than that. But so, yeah, I mean, we've, we've got the brother and sister, the other characters, most of them are throwaways. We've got the uh, businessman who is uh, got an ex-wife <clears throat> who doesn't like him. And he's the one who, like I said, has the worst pickup line. Do you have the time? Yeah. And the and the woman looks at him, looks at his watch, goes, "Oh, is your watch broke?" You know, totally knowing what he's game with. But she's she's by herself, so she's like, "Okay, what the hell?" So they're you know they they make they make friends. That's a but that's a total male fantasy. I mean, like that is. Oh yeah, it is. There's no way that she's giving him, no pun intended, the time of day, and yet they like end up in a relationship, and they're like part one of the surviving couples. I kept freaking out because I I thought she looked like Ruby Rose with like a weird early two thousands long haircut, and I actually paused the movie. I'm like, that can't be her, and it it wasn't. But I'm like, is does she have an older sister? Jeez, <laughs> um, yeah. And so and that guy, like he, that whole bit, like with the <clears throat> the watch, it felt like. When I would have to watch those corporate sexual harassment training videos, like <laughs> we're gonna watch this scene, and you have to tell us if a this is appropriate, and like yeah, that whole vibe down to his freaking outfit, like it was like late '90s uh, office worker motif. He, yeah, he was he was he was gaming uh, gaming office worker. That was his <laughs> costume. I mean, it was little the tie and everything. It just like the minute you look at him, you're like, oh, this guy in a minute, you know. He sees a, a, a woman by herself. And yeah, that's and it's not the only male fantasy thing that comes out of this film. We have a uh, stalker Texas Ranger we talk about who uh, takes uh, Crystal, the one of the two uh, young ladies, uh, Crystal, who's the one who's running drugs uh, to get this money, this five thousand dollars, which she spent three grand on on something. I have no idea what, but um <laughs> yeah, we never find out. <laughs> we never find out. She just said she spent some of it. When you say some of it, you think a hundred, two hundred. No, I spent three grand of the five thousand dollars, and this was supposed to be money that was gonna give him a new life in LA. Anyway, 
So she gets yeah checked. yeah five yeah. grand for two women and <laughs> moving out to LA. It's like yeah it'll, it'll get you uh it'll get you to LA and get you like a snack and that's about it. There you go. Uh, so it'd be funny if if she she's smuggling cocaine. It'd be funny if she used the three thousand dollars on cocaine. <laughs> I had thought about that. I actually thought about that. I'm like wait did she spend it on drugs? What? Who's <laughs> uh, a different deal? So we get stalker Texas Ranger who is like. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I could make sure that you don't get uh, arrested and, and put in jail if, uh, you know, we could work out a deal. And he does a little finger thing on the shoulder and she's resistant, yet she's trying to be like also interested because he is this quote unquote good looking guy. And, you know, at first she's a little reluctant, but then eventually, yes, we we get her topless. Uh, and she leans in and they kiss. I mean, it's a whole male fantasy thing of how she's resistant yet not to his charms. And then this other guy just shows up, which by the way, uh, this is 2006. So we're uh, five years from, from nine 11. And we have a, a, a gentleman in here from the middle East who everybody's suspicious of. He's supposed to, I be, mean, allegedly, allegedly, like, because the way he talks, he's got like the flattest, like you know, SoCal accent. Like it wasn't even—I I can't even do his voice, but it's just so like that voice does not belong coming out of that guy. No, but everybody was kind of suspicious of him. Oh, he's a Middle Eastern guy. And in fact, yeah. when, when he comes up on Stalker Texas Ranger, we find out that Stalker's an ex-cop and he wants the drugs. And then this gentleman who is from the Middle East, who I think uh, Stalker makes, and that's what he's going to be known as from now on. Uh, a stalker guy uh, makes a comment about his ethnicity because why not uh, at this point? Uh, and then all of a sudden she is like, you know, oh, it starts covering herself. It, it seems embarrassed in that. Um, it, and you're right. It's, he he it, says, sorry, we didn't. He said, sorry, we didn't get to finish that. <laughs> yeah, it's wow. it's such an awkward scene that that does not need to be there. The only reason it's in there for the exploitation factor um, it's hard to tell, and that's I think that's that's the trouble that, that I have with this film that I don't enjoy it more is it's hard to tell of if it's actually self-aware or not because what you were saying, a later asylum films and even some of the earlier ones that were considered good were fairly self-aware of what type of movie they were. Right, like Titanic Two and Transmorphers Fall of Man. Like they there was no like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna rival Michael Bay. No, they they knew that they were, you know, cheesy knockoffs. But but this one felt like it was trying to be both and it fails in both categories because it's at times you think it's being self-referential self-referential with the dialogue and such that you have but then you get scenes like this one and you get scenes later on to where the brother is trying the snakes get out of the girl and they get into one of the other stowaways here who are gentlemen who wanted to do bad things to the brother and sister and the snake goes into the guy so the brother needs to collect the snakes so rather than save the guy he cuts his heart out a la literally temple of doom I was waiting for him to go Mohram, Mohram, Shuram, because he starts chanting and then he shoves his hand in there and he cuts it open and he rips the heart out to pull the snake out. And the guy's still alive. And that, 
Right, and that that was a kind of a cool effect because the snake, it's like a little garter snake, is sort of woven through the heart, and he kind of plucks it out. That was a neat effect. But before I move on from this, I do want to get back to Stalker, Texas Ranger, and that scene. And there's a very important distinction between snakes on a plane, how they handle what I'll call sexuality, versus this movie. Right. In snakes on a plane, they've got a couple who are, you know, they go into the bathroom to have sex. And they're kind of like getting their clothes off and they're kind of going at it and everything. The camera doesn't linger. It's not like, hey, look at this chick's boobs. It's about the tension of them not being aware that there are snakes coming down on them and they're about to be you know, eaten. In this movie, that scene with him like saying, you know, take your shirt off, it goes on for, I swear, five minutes. And it it's just like long, yeah. her, her uncomfortably taking off her top and then her bra and then he's like moving in for the kiss. And it was just something about the fact that he wasn't completely clean. It, it looked like he hadn't shaved in like a day or so. He just looked really scummy. He did. And he's like putting his hand up on her breast and like kneading it. I'm like, I feel like I shouldn't be watching this. I feel like almost like this is the casting couch like tape and they just put it in the film. Like, hey, you, you want to be in showbiz, right? Because she looked, I you know, I'm I'm projecting here but it looked like the actress was uncomfortable instead of the character being uncomfortable. Oh, no, she totally was. She totally was. And watching it the second time through in that for sure, the first time I, I was like, this is just not needed. And then the second time, she's trying. You could tell the way they wrote the, her character and the way she was trying to initially with the scene is get in, go into it to where, oh, she's a little resistant to the cop guy but she's also kind of attracted to him sort of angle. That's what they were, I think, trying to go for with this scene. Unfortunately, with this being her first movie, I imagine that had something to do with it. She does, she's going through some of the motions, like maybe she, her character is supposed to be kind of into this guy because her character is the care, care more carefree quotes than her friend. But the actress just does not look like she wants to even be there. Not the character. The actress is just like, what what am I what am I getting myself into? And it is just, it is such a awkward, unneeded scene that you just are like, how long is this thing? And then when the guy shows up, he takes Stalker Ranger in the back, and you think he shoots him in the head. But he's the worst shot in the entire world because he shot him in the mouth. It's just like he grazes his cheek, and it's a deep kind of wound. But, you know, as we see, it's it's it that kind of becomes comedy because right. Stalker Texas Ranger, you think he's dead, but he shows up in the nick of time to save the other girl from being killed. And they end up in, like, this weird shootout where he's laying on the ground. Like, he's just kind of got the gun hanging at an angle and yet we're supposed to believe that he's shooting up at this guy and this other guy is like shooting down at him we have no idea how far apart they are really and how either of them is getting shot you think they are but they're not because we hear bullets going off and we're like yeah they're supposed to be fooling each other full of holes but i think they're just missing <laughs> like how does this work <laughs> they they are just missing and you're almost waiting for that wide shot from naked gun 33 and a third to where they're literally <laughs> hiding behind and they stand out and shoot and stand by and they're like five feet from each other. Right. It has that quality to it. it exactly. Does. 
It does, but again, and that's that's where I struggle with the film is that it it has a number of elements, even the the pun on the name and the concept with the the snakes coming out of the girl. Like I said, all of that was interesting, but it just really felt like this film didn't know whether it should go all the way to be the self-referential, jokey kind of campy, haha, look at us, look at this crazy concept. Oh, you know or be a serious horror film or, or tell a, a story. And so it comes up short both. I mean, this, the shootout scene later on this last act, I have no freaking idea what really is going on. Just that she, she's turning into the snake cause she can't get help in time because these thousands of snakes that we have coming out of her are populating the, Oh, we do get a diner car later on, which, <laughs> Don't pay attention to the fact that they converted the passenger car to a diner car. <laughs> it's the same train car, folks. Well, I love that in the last, like, literally 15 minutes, we're introducing a new character. <laughs> like, there's the guy sitting at the diner car. I'm like, who the hell is that? Well, there's the diner <laughs> car guy and the waitress. Well, the waitress we'd seen earlier briefly, oh, but yeah. you still you still don't understand like how all this commotion would be going on in this train, and yet they have no idea. He's just like, "Yeah, can you get me another Pepsi? Hey, what, what's going on with you? What, what's what's all this commotion? Wait, why there why is there a snake over there?" Um, but then you got the 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 niece character Alma is her name. She, mm -hmm. uh, when they're trying to make their way through the train and they're like punching snakes and. The one guy is like literally battering a snake in the head with a silver platter. You can hear her going, no, no, not my snakes, my snakes. And like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> well, one, what I loved is that her brother, there's one scene where he comes across another random like henchman, hitman guy. I don't know who the hell he is, but he says, this train must not stop. But he says it in a complete like flat California actor accent that completely betrays the, you know, strictly thick Spanish accent when he was talking all in Spanish at the beginning of the movie. It seems as if the further away they get from the border and the closer they get to L.A., the more he starts speaking, like, proper American <laughs> English. And he says, this train must not stop. And the other guy says, wrong. Did you catch that? Like... <laughs> It sounded almost like a like a foghorn, and then he attacks him. Well, it was. I think they were trying to go maybe for a slow. I don't know. I don't know they, because the brother goes up because they're going to slow down the train because there's a crook on board, and uh, you know they find the other uh, the other uh, uh, stowaway, and so they're going to slow it down for the cops. But the brother needs to get to Los Angeles with his six sisters. So yeah, not only. So here here's what our our wonderful hero does not only does he take out one of the only people who could probably run the train, which is not necessarily a henchman. He's the guy that he was like the conductor guy on the train. I think, uh, no, it was another henchman. That's right. It was another henchman guy or what, or just the engineer anyway. So he ends up trashing the engine. So it's a runaway train. They can't stop it. His grand plan is to just let this train go destroy the things that could stop the train. So if they do get to Los Angeles, they're not going to stop until they hit the barricade. <laughs> well, no, because uh, Denzel and Chris Pine will get out there in time to to prevent it from right you know, with, with with swooping cameras that just will not stop anyone. Uh, <laughs> right, and if all else fails, you got uh, Eric Roberts. But um, 
No, Which he I... wasn't in this film. An asylum picture without Eric Roberts. Come on, man. It's an asylum film without uh, one of the Van Dyke brothers uh, associated with <laughs> That's it. True. That's true. That was my red flag. That's true. Um, they're a symbol of quality, uh, even in the suck. Um, let's see. I'm trying to... I had something else. Uh, oh, at one point, there's a fight or something. I think the brother was involved. And he said, use your magic. And then he says, use your own magic. What? I don't know. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, the magic element seems to come and go in this. It's it's mostly you know applies to uh, uh, Alma, who has the snakes continually just coming out of her, um, <laughs> and then it goes and comes in. Like th this brother's defense, it was great when he first gets on the train. And I know we're jumping around, folks, but this this movie uh, has you jumping around. When he first gets on the train, and the guys want to attack him, he magically produces dust from his hand that he can spray into the eyes of these guys. And it's not like they show him like reaching to a bag each time and blowing the dust into the face. He just goes up to these guys and goes. Phew. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, where's it coming from? Well, back in Mexico, uh, he, pr he probably ran a close-up magic uh, oh, shop. that's true. Close-up magic. Or seminar that's true. or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's... Again, there's ideas and concepts in here. You could see what they were going for, but uh, those were bigger than the budget or time they had to make this movie. But, you know, we talked a bit about the ending before, but I got to say that's kind of um, that's kind of the genius of it is you're lulled into I don't care where this is going. This is not any good. But when Alma completely transforms into the snake, which kind of happens off screen a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. But she bursts the snake bursts through the train and then you realize it's grown to, I swear. Yeah. Like 3000 feet long and then it starts yeah. eating the train like. You had no, all the snakes or most of the snakes, I think, up to this point were practical. You could tell they were just like, yeah, you got a snake wrangler to drape some snakes over the seats or onto the floor, like make it look all spooky. And they did a lot of like close ups and weird, like growling noises to make them sound intimidating. But they didn't rely a lot on CGI until the finale when it's just this really beautifully crappy cgi snake eating a beautifully crappy train and you you can see the cutouts of like the the eight survivors you know when they're standing on that <laughs> precipice you can see they're like uh green screened you know they're keyed in there even though the train is like crumpling around there's no way they should still have spines and then they just jump off and oh it's it's so good the the last three minutes of this movie are worth the entire <laughs> preceding hour 41 or whatever however the hell this is a long movie <laughs> yeah it surprises me how long it is but you're right it it suddenly picks up especially pretty much where she actually has fangs because all honesty like you mentioned before the makeup on alma at the end of this film where she's actually going full snake reminded me of lair of the white worm in, yes <laughs> in, you know her transformation formation and the way she looked at everything it looked really decent. It looked kind of Lair of the White Wormish. <laughs> it also reminded me of 
um, Scarlett Johansson at the end of Under the Skin. Oh, yeah. Which I think we might be talking about we'll talking later. about later on in the year, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that that's always something that fascinates me because you don't see it a whole lot, but like when characters' skin turns black and not because they're on fire, but just like there's some kind of a disease or something, almost like, you know, leprosy yeah. or something. It's, it's really creepy and kind of hard to watch. And the same thing here. Uh, I almost wish she'd started turning black at the beginning of the picture because... You know, it's just most of it's just her like puking up green slime and crying. <laughs> like, there's no tension there. But when she actually starts to transform, and those fangs were beautiful. They were like oversized. Oh. They were like way too big for her face, but it totally worked. Well, she made it work though. Uh, Mad props. Julia uh, Ruiz plays Alma, and she she puts actually one of the better, per even though she's you know just mostly spitting up things and crying. Her performance in general, though, out of all of this, is actually pretty. Decent, especially when she gets the fangs on her. She she really sells it. The fangs look gorgeous. The, these big fangs look like they are part of her mouth. Whoever they got to do the practical effects on this movie, mad props to them because for the budget that you could tell they shot it on, a lot of it looked really good. <laughs> and those fangs, that, that final look before she turns into CGI uh, Anaconda, uh, you know, well, it's just Anaconda, really, because Anaconda was CGI, so there you go. But, you know, when she turns into that, uh, all of that whole segment looked and was done really well. It was like they had this idea, and they had the idea at the beginning. They just had to get from A to B somehow, <laughs> and so. Yeah, it's that it was a long way from A to B. It, it was anyway, um, there's some there's some language in this movie, Mark, um, yes, I don't know because we're on a live stream. I don't want to actually say the word, but they use the c word twice in here. Yeah, um, they do. And the first one, I'd never heard. I I don't know what this means, so maybe you can help me out. I'm gonna say it, but I'm gonna just say c word instead of you know the yeah, actual c yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. Your mother's c word smells like carpet cleaner. <laughs> Huh? I, I, I have no idea. It, it, just a random insult, I guess. Um, uh, implying, <clears throat> I, I, I heard that too, and I'm just like, okay, that's. You know. It's not even like a Fez from that 70s show where he says something, it's kind of like he messes up the English. It just sounded like an insult that he loves to use on people. Uh, I would love to use that insult on people, but I don't really use that language in everyday life, but also because <laughs> I think they'd be so confused that the, the instinct would just be to pop me in the mouth and neither of us would know what happened. I think maybe that's what it is. It's just supposed to be a comment that's an insult that, has you a bit confused so who he was directing that insult to would uh you know make him even more infuriated because they're not quite sure what that's supposed to be but it sounds really bad so you know maybe that's what they were going for with it but i i don't know i've not heard that before when i heard that again i'm just like all right uh <laughs> so we'll give you a solid c on on that insult um, there you go uh, <laughs> yeah it's 
Yeah, let's move on to a different insult. Let's see. What's this guy got? <laughs> oh, you called the Middle Eastern. Well, there you go. That was easy. <laughs> um, well, did you notice yeah. that? I mean, they even did it. He's Middle Eastern. <laughs> yeah. This is like five years from from 2000, you know, uh, 2011 uh, or, uh, you know, uh, 9-11. It's like. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, when it, when they were making this movie, it was only, you know, four years and some change. So we were still <laughs> it's true. knee deep in Iraq and, and getting revenge on the people what done us wrong. Yeah. Um, so there was still a lot of that floating around in the culture. It's It's harder to, I guess, not that it was ever OK, but. It's kind of hard to remember that now, uh, but yeah, 15, to, oh my God, 20, it's almost 20 years ago now that this it, was, oh, I feel so old. Seven, this is, this film, yeah, well, 9-11 was 20 years, but this film's 17 years old. Oh. So. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's. <laughs> this is one of the films that most people equate Asylum with. They they don't equate Asylum with actually entertaining films like, say, Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark, which is actually a really entertaining film. In spite of myself, I found that very entertaining. This one's awkward. It's it's just awkward. It it's like choose a path and it it doesn't. And and by the end of it, like you said. There's a three minutes and you're like, where the hell was that the rest of this film? Right. I mean, people give a lot of crap to the Sharknado movies, but at least they, you know, they're kind of action adventures, but they all, everybody knows what kind of movie they're making. Um, I get the feeling that some of the actors signed on to this thing thinking they were making a real movie because some of them, they really commit, even if they're terrible. Um, but the result is just this mess. I'm like, it's almost as if, kind of like we see with some Hellraiser sequels, like it was a script that had nothing to do with Hellraiser, but then they slapped the brand on it and then mm -hmm. put it out as a Hellraiser sequel. They got Doug Bradley to show up for five minutes at the end. This, I feel like it was a, they just put this, brought this off the shelf and called it Snakes on a Train. It was going to be called like, you know, Venom at 98 miles an hour or something. Like, no, we got to tie this into the big release that's coming out. Well, that's what kind of got me with this. And I didn't look up the trivia for it. And I do apologize for that, folks. But, you know, watching this, how we mentioned this feels like a weird asylum film. It really, and you look at it the way the budget is, even for asylum in that, it just really makes me wonder if they bought the rights to an independent film and slapped the name snakes on a train on it and maybe they added the ending because it is you know more asylumish ending but the rest of this film it just you're like it feels more like your your indie festival micro budget type of film that they almost bought rights to and you know a la uh, uh trauma where they bought it and then they distributed it and maybe added a few extra elements to the film, uh, but they didn't exactly make it from scratch. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I'm, as you were saying that, I was flashing back to the to the climax and thinking, are could I go back and watch and see if there were cuts where it's just like people running to get off the train because it's gone off the rails and they don't want to, you know, die 
but then they cut around that to add a giant CGI snake eating it. You know, <laughs> they're not just running from the, from right, the train right. that's you know, full of snakes. They're running from a giant snake that's trying to eat them all of a sudden. That 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 would require me going back to watch this movie again, and that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, there's not much trivia on it, folks. Uh, what? Yeah, I know. But uh, there is a trivia that in the middle of a shooting day, the film set and its craft services were invaded by escaped cows. <laughs> From a nearby farm. Apparently it's in the behind the scenes that can be found on the DVD, if you can find it. But how did the cows get on board a real moving train? I, I don't know how that happened. They're, <laughs> they're fast cows. They It said escaped cows. I mean, these cows escaped, so they've got enough brains to get over the electric fence. When, and they're going to be fast enough to catch up with that train because, you know, they know they don't want to be beef. So, you know. that's That almost requires a disaster artist-style movie of its own, like the filming of Snakes on a Train and just the afternoon where they got overtaken by escaped cows. I would watch that movie. I would watch that movie, too. It almost makes me want to try to seek out the DVD and see if the behind the scenes is on there so I can see the the cow. I'm sure the behind the scenes is probably on the YouTubes somewhere at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is going to be a short episode, but there's not a lot to this film. But one of the reasons I picked it for E-Ticket Month and, and kind of <laughs> end the E-Ticket Month is because you I love me. It's because you love me. It's because I love you. And I wanted to go from the engine to the caboose on the train for the month. Um, oh, we did, yeah. And, you know, it it has its moments, but this this definitely is where Asylum got its reputation, that it, it pulled itself out of, like it, like we've both said here. But this, this is one of those earlier mockbusters that really made people question <laughs> what exactly their their point was with making films like this outside of just capitalize like sheerly just capitalizing it on the name well i mean that's the that's the thing is because in the era of you know redbox this is right around that time and you know we still have video oh, yeah. stores netflix actually time... netflix actually rented out dvds yeah right so by the time you got the disc home and you popped it in, like if you were so gullible that you thought, oh, well, I'm, I'm actually, oh, wait, it's a snake's on a train? Ah, what the hell, I'll put it in. By the time you flung the disc back across the room in rage, they've already got your buck 50. <laughs> so that's, that's, it's genius. Well, yeah, I, and I was friends, I know, go figure. I know it's a surprise. I was friends with the video store clerks. I know. <laughs> I know, that's a shocker, right, that they, and there's still, a, a couple of them are still uh, good friends of mine. Uh, even though uh, Hollywood video closed, but I remember them talking and I've, I've told this story before and I apologize for the repeat, but it's very fitting here to where when Tom Cruise's film was coming out, War of the Worlds, Asylum, just like they did with Snakes on a Train, where they released it three days before the film came out. Actually, H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, produced <laughs> by Asylum, came out like a month before the Tom Cruise film. So what ended up happening, every day they worked, they said, they'd get at least one call from someone who would say, hey, 
is that War of the Worlds that you have the one with Tom Cruise? To which they would have to say, no. The war, because the way, if you, it's a genius. Don't get me wrong. I am not, I, I love Asylum as well. The good, the bad, and the ugly, I, they're a roller coaster. Ever check out our episode on Atlantic Rib Job? Oh my God. Anyway, um, <laughs> that, yeah. Uh, oh, whew. Oh, anyway, even with that, um, Asylum definitely embraced what we've talked about before in the 80s of the wonderful box cover art approach to a film to where it looked good on the shelf the the title and the poster and everything for snakes out of trade looks great on a shelf or poster or on the netflix you know description who whoever by the way that's one thing bad about netflix not doing dvds i miss the completely incorrect synopsis that would be on the envelope of the movie that you get that you rented <laughs> and i'm not kidding you know what i'm talking about ian <laughs> oh yeah and sometimes it's nice you'll see on facebook someone will post like they're watching cable and they'll bring up a movie and will have a description that's completely uh inappropriate um, or mismatched yeah that's great i mean like i know i think i actually own this on blu-ray uh the day the earth stopped Yes, which yes. is they brought that out to coincide with the yeah. remake with Keanu Reeves Day there should still. But yeah, they, you're right. They would in some cases they would just so blatantly rip off the font, the the character treatment, the poster of the blockbuster that it would be indistinguishable. You could like just marvel at your own fortune like, "Oh my gosh, I don't have to pay, you know, 8 bucks to see us in the theater. I can rent it right now. I'm getting one over on the studio." <laughs> nope. Nope, they got one over on you. Yeah, especially the War of the Worlds one because it was hilarious because War of the Worlds, you're right, with the font. The War of the Worlds logo was very similar to what you saw on the posters for for the Tom Cruise film, but in very tiny font at the top. <laughs> it said, it was like, H.G. Wells, War of the Worlds. It was like, they did that with uh, King of the Jungle as well when the King Kong was coming out. They had a gorilla that looked very much like King Kong on the cover and it said king of the jungle on it um obviously because king kong was actually trademarked so they couldn't use they could make a you know play off of that but um you know and, and they they still do their mockbusters now not nearly as much as when they were in their uh, a little bit of their earlier days because they came up with you know when sharknado took off they could do their own they found out they could do their own thing they don't necessarily have to mockbuster things though they still do with well and i think I think we talked about this a few months ago. Um, that movie, Don't Worry, Darling, that came out that Olivia yes, Wilde yes, directed. Yes, that was that was written. Uh, the the two uh, Van Dykes, or one of them and yeah. one of their partners, who were Asylum staples, wrote the story for that and then mm -hmm. sold it to Olivia Wilde and the lady who ended up writing the the final screenplay for it. And if you watch that movie. You can still see some of that asylum goodness in there. My theory is it was all a giant joke that you know Warner Brothers was duped into buying this asylum picture and putting it out as an art piece, which I'm all for it. I want them to do that like every year. <laughs> I'd be I'm down for it. I mean, I, uh, don't worry, darling. Had me until the end, and then like I always, I I, I will stay consistent in my <clears throat> criticism in that they took the road easily traveled with the very end where they could have gone yeah. really creative. 
and the rest of the film was more creative than the ending. And when you get to the ending, it's one of those films where, yeah, the ending sticks with you and you're just like, wait, we went through all of this for that. And now that you mentioned that they were writers of asylum, I'm like, that's total asylum move. That's, that's like an <laughs> asylum move right there, you know, uh, but yeah, snakes out of trade is, is what it is. It's, it's earlier. I'm not going to say way early asylum because asylum has been around for a while, but it was one of their earlier into the populace, into the sci-fi channel type of, you know, a, a presentation, type, you know, presents type of material. And unfortunately, it just it it doesn't know what it is. And so my final thought is it's got moments. You just have to get through the rough patches to get to the fun asylum moments, which are few and far between. Very well said. Um, my final thought is uh, a joke that I wrote down during that uncomfortable five minute uh, sexual harassment scene. Yes. Uh, I just simply wrote uh, trouser snakes on a train. <laughs> no, no, that's that's a different movie that probably came out, and we don't we don't review those types of films on on this on this. Well, that's probably a DVD extra. <laughs> well, that, well, who knows? We might we might eventually down the road. I you know because sex does sell. <laughs> we're, gonna, so. we're gonna start reviewing porn. Great. Sure, sure. Why not? <laughs> Uh, let's, let's just see if that's, it's that, uh, um, there is some film fiction, uh, trousered snake on a train. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there is a film that, uh, I'm not clicking on the link. It just is a description. <laughs> it doesn't have pictures either. And I'm going to close my Google search history now. And now I'm going to have, I'm going to have Alexa for the next, next five days going, would you like to see trouser snakes on a train? No, Alexa. No. <laughs> Shut up. You look at it that's once. Why got, that's why you got to go incognito mode when you search yeah, anything. Yeah, I know. Amazon's going to start showing ads for trousers and snakes. And, you know, <laughs> I just, you know, Wish is going to show a, a snake wearing trousers. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just, I've just ruined my whole next internet history so and with that we're not going to ruin uh this film i can unfortunately can't recommend it unless you're morbidly curious uh as as much as there are some great moments it's it's tough um if you watch it on youtube there are parts where you can literally there's a wonderful little wheel that you can click and you can increase the playback speed and if you do it at like one and a half speed until you get to the good parts where you can slow it down, you'll be good. You'll be good. Um, I, you know, someone someday is going to write a book on the asylum. Maybe that person will be me because I think there's real value in going through, and I haven't seen all their films, but I've seen a bunch of them. I think the value in Snakes on a Train is to just to see how different it is from, or it's a different kind of asylum film. There's several different kinds. And this is an example, it's not as successful, but it's interesting to see why it doesn't work as well as something like Titanic 2 or mm -hmm. Transmorphous Fall of Man. Or, or Hornet, not totally not Bumblebee, but if you look at the cover of, uh, hold on, uh, G-H, uh, I think I got it, 
Oh, I don't have it. Oh, yeah, there, there it is. Here it is. See, I, this is why I keep my physical media right behind me. Hornet. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> totally. That's so good. <laughs> totally not. Not. Totally not. A bumblebee. Uh, it, and it's Transformers meets Cloverfield. <laughs> because it's it's kind of found footage. And we did this for a Mockbuster a series, I think. Uh, yeah, it was for Mockbuster. Our good friend, Seth. Uh, Seth, he was doing a series of podcasts that we did this for him uh, where we reviewed Mockbusters. <laughs> I even did a Mockbuster trailer for it in the whole nine yards. And uh, that was a fun series of episodes to do. We did in July, but that was one of the ones we talked about to where did the cover promise. And that's what he does for his bot. He did for his bottom shelf reviews. That's what they were. Bottom shelf uh, reviews. Um, I'll, I'll play you the trailer sometime. Uh, anyway, uh, great stuff, folks. Seek it out. Uh, I think it was on Astro Radio Z uh, podcast at some point. Uh, I apologize. I'm blanking. It's been late. Uh, where it, But it's out there. Just search for Mockbuster Summer. Um, but yeah, we reviewed Hornet. And, you know, he said, does the cover promise what you get? And kind of. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. But that's another prime example of you know, uh, Asylum taking the approach of, hey, make the cover look good, make the synopsis look good, and even the trailer to get people to rent it. Because once they rent it, even if it's not good, they've got your money. If you bought it or rented it, they've got your money. <laughs> it's, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Yeah. And and also, you know, that, that sort of the, the word of mouth of mm -hmm. this is so bad, you have to see it. That, that's what you know. happened with Sharknado. In all honesty, Sharknado struck at the right time, had the right buzz. It was just the right amount of camp, which this film wasn't, uh, to where they just hit all the right boxes. And then they ran with it and milked it for like six films, which I never saw coming. But they struck while the iron was hot, produced them quick, got them out there because it was still a buzz. And yeah, they made some money on it. I saw Sharknado at the Music Box in Chicago a few years ago. This is pre-pandemic. Sure. Uh, there was a program afterwards. The Museum of Science and Industry had shark experts on talking about, like, the science <laughs> of sharks. It was like this whole big, you know, show a terrible movie about, like, involving science or nature yeah, going yeah. wrong and then have, like, scientists come out and talk about, like, what would happen if. It was, it was a lot of fun. See, they needed that for Moonfall is what they needed that for. Oh, yes. <laughs> that would have been that would have been interesting. Then I wouldn't be giggling for 10 minutes for how ridiculous that film was. And see, <laughs> and that's the thing is you look at a film like Moonfall and you look like Asylum and I'm like folks, the only difference between the two is about a uh, 100 million dollars. <laughs> did they do a, did they do a Moonfall knockoff? I I I don't know if they did, but if they did, I will have to look it up because um because Moonfall I, is almost the Moonfall knockoff. Moonfall. <laughs> that's what I mean. Moonfall is is just is just a brush stroke away. It's literally a brush stroke away from an asylum picture, a huge budget asylum picture. And sometimes, uh, I think uh, you know, uh, it, it was Asylum secretly producing it. <laughs> would it oh. be Moon? Would it be Moonfell or Fallen Moon or what would nope, it be? Nope. It's called Moon Crash. 
It is called <laughs> Moon Crash. It came out last year, folks. Of course it did, because it is called Moon Crash. <laughs> All you had to do is search for Moonfall Mockbuster, and it comes up with Moon Crash trailer, the Asylum's Moonfall Mockbuster, which they have have boldly worn on their chest as being the Mockbuster studio. Uh, <laughs> Moon Crash. I want to see. Uh, oh, shit. You Does know, it star uh, Darren Eckhart and Molly Berry? <laughs> <laughs> Moon Crash. Uh, what do we got? We got Jeremy London in it. Uh, oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what do we got? Uh, Marcia Shine. We've got, yeah, uh, Moon Crash. Here we go. Moon Crash is, uh, oh, let's stop the trailer. I don't need to see. Wow, the special effects don't look that much worse than what was in Moonfall. Uh <laughs> A global steel company is working with an aerospace partner to extract lunar material when a drilling accident causes a giant piece of the moon to break off. It goes at a collision course with Earth. So it's kind of like Moonfall meets Armageddon. <laughs> oh, God. Jameson Joe, Jeremy London, Tyler Christopher, uh, <laughs> Jenny Tran. It, it, it's yeah, this oh, I gotta read that. I gotta read that. Along with Titanic six six six, apparently. Anyway. Wow, they made a lot of those movies. Uh, no. Well, uh. we'll we'll wrap it up here tonight because we could go down a rabbit hole of all kinds of asylum pictures. And who knows? Maybe one year we'll do a special series of asylum mockbusters. Oh my god. Uh I will have to stock up on the alcohol for that one. So <laughs> in any way, folks, hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you've enjoyed e-ticket month next month. Yeah, I know it starts tomorrow, but next month, I don't normally <laughs> reuse a gimmick, but it was just so fitting. Last week, we spun the wheel of random and we got the Evil Dead remake for February, which last year was Deaduary. This year, Evil Deaduary. So, yes, next month is Evil Deaduary, where we'll be looking at films with the title Evil Dead in them, but they don't belong <laughs> to the Evil Dead series. Ha-ha! I challenged myself with that one. So we got some interesting stuff on deck. With I was that. amazed looking at that list. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> nope. You found four movies I, with Evil Dead in the title. <laughs> that have nothing to do with the Evil Dead franchise. So <laughs> looking forward to that, folks. Hope you are. Please like, subscribe, all this. And now this is where License to Shill to my wonderful crew member who pushed through Snakes on a Train with me. Mr. Ian Siemens, the floor is yours. I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com as well as on YouTube at Kicking the Seat. Um, we do movie reviews and interviews and live streams and roundtables and all that good stuff. Plus, I'm here every Tuesday night talking about the wide world of very interesting films. Thanks to you, Mark. Uh, <laughs> you, you continue to open up my, my brain and my spirit, uh, even if some movies threaten to crush it, uh, like Snakes on a Train. We go from a movie... <laughs> That I watch for his podcast because he has stuff like, you know, an, an, an off day game and some of these other films. And I bring him snakes out of trade. So there you have it, folks. Please check out Mr. Ian's Simmons stuff. All great stuff over there. If you're curious at all about our stuff and haven't followed us at all, please start to do so. Uh, your support helps us keep going. We got a Patreon. Very little tier for you get some great stuff there. We have over 220 
after hours episodes alone, not including the VIP stuff, which has been five years now I've been doing Patreon. So there's a lot of content over there for on the cheap, really almost as cheap as what they made this film for. So (laughs) (laughs) with that said, I hope everyone has a great night and uh, we'll just say uh, good night, everyone. Good night. What? (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was the steam escaping. I think Uh, I smell carpet cleaner. (laughs) (laughs) Hey everyone. Looking for more spoiler room goodness. Then head on over to patreon.com slash special mark productions, where you can get access to even more wonderful podcast content. Hear the conversation that happens before the live broadcast. You can also get access to an exclusive VIP episode that you vote on that's especially for you, or get early access to all our videos on YouTube, plus more. So check it out there, folks. And the more you do there, the more we can do here. And remember, with the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.